Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. listening to Passions and Prologues, a literary podcast where each week I talk to an author about a thing they love and how it inspires their work. I'm your host, Adam Sokol, and today's guest is Candy Seri, whose brand new book, Magdalena, is an incredible and creepy story that surrounds ghosts and spookiness and strange relationships and so, so much more. I loved it. It is all about this reclusive person who develops a strange motherly interest in a teenager in her neighborhood. It's it's like this mix between what's real and what's not. I just, I adored it so much. And this conversation we have today is all about ghost stories, the ones that Candy grew up on, the ways that they obviously influence her writing, which is a very, very straight line in this particular influence. But I just love the conversation. And as if you've been listening for the past few weeks, you know that I am very much in that like fall, autumn, spooky season mindset. So this is a great, great discussion to have when thinking about those things. And in line with that, a book recommendation I have for you all today. It's been out for a while. It garnered a bunch of attention. It won a bunch of awards. But Lincoln in the Bardot by George Saunders, it was actually, I think, one of the first audiobooks I ever listened to. And it takes place in February of 1862, there's a real historical fact that during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln went into the tomb of his 11-year-old son who recently died from typhoid fever. It's a historical fact, and no one really ever knows why he chose to do that. And so what George Saunders does is he takes that kind of idea and he tells this story about the Bardot, which is a spiritual limbo between death and rebirth. And he encounters a Greek chorus of spirits. There's just character after character after character comes through. And I listened to the audiobook because it had something like 250 different people who partook. It was crazy, crazy amazing, crazy elaborate. It's fascinating. And it's a story of love and death and remembrance. It's really, really powerful and really, really wonderful. I think if you've never read Lincoln and the Bardo, should definitely check that out. And also definitely check out Magdalena by today's guest, Candy Siri. It is, oh, I just loved it. I loved it so much. And I know you guys will as well. It's a perfect book to settle in uh, on uh, as the nights get a little bit darker and have some tea and just cozy up and really, really enjoy it. If you want to get a hold of me, you can always find me at Passions and Prologues on Instagram and TikTok, or you can shoot me an email, passionsandprologues at gmail.com. I love hearing from you there. And every single month, I give away a random bookshop.org gift card to somebody who has sent me an email and told me what they are passionate about. So 
all of you who have done that so far. I really, really appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can always email me there. And if you have a moment, leave me a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps people find me just a little bit more easily. Uh, yeah, that is all of the housekeeping. I really, really appreciate you guys listening in. And now enjoy this discussion with Candy Sari, author of Magdalena on Passions and Prologues. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, Candy, what is something you are super passionate about that we're going to be discussing today? So today we're talking about my passion for ghost stories. Oh, this is perfect. Okay. And this absolutely ties into your book. So that's this yes. is gonna be great. When, like, what do you remember your first it's tough to say, like, do you remember your first encounter with ghost stories? I feel like we all hear them when we're kids, but do you remember your kind of first interaction with it? Well, yeah, as a kid, I remember the eerie tales my grandma told about her childhood in Croatia. I lived in a small town and I remember just strange tales from around town. And then, of course, light as a feather, stiff as a board. Did you play that at slumber parties? Oh, yeah. That was just so magical. There was something about that when you told the ghost story, we were able to lift the person. You know, I, I was just always drawn to those. And I think because coming from a small town, you know, my parents were always going to weddings and baptisms and funerals. So death, even though I didn't lose anyone personal as a kid, death was something I was so afraid of because it was, it seemed to be so around. And so I, I just thought if ghosts are real, it means if I lost someone I loved, I can have them stick around. This, this is so interesting. I, I had this, that similar feeling when I was a kid, mainly because, and I, I won't dive into it. It is a sad story. But when I was, um, when I was 10, my best friend and I were in the room and his father unexpectedly passed away. And it was, wow. yeah, it, it was, uh, it was obviously very traumatic and, and all that. But like from that moment on, I, same thing, like I was terrified of death. And like, I remember like thinking at night as like a little 10 year old, like every single night being like, please keep my family safe from. And I would like in my brain, I would list off individual things that I do. But yeah. I know, very heartbreaking. But this is all to say, like, it, it, I would say if anything else, or if, if nothing else, like, I found myself being more fascinated by scary stories. And, like, I'm a, I love horror novels, and I've always loved horror stories, and I love being, like, I like that feeling of reading about these things and hearing them. But it is, I, I know what you mean, like, that, that fascination when you're a kid, especially when you, our minds are so young, we don't know any different, and it kind of lets you play in these spaces. And, like, it, like I said, it stuck with me and I was always drawn to shows like Are You Afraid of the Dark or the books that are like scary stories to read and then like those those yeah. horrifying books. Like, So when you were surrounded by these feelings, you know, kind of how did that affect like the stories that you sought out to read or watch or things like that? So I think for me, I looked for more comforting. I did stay away from really scary ones, but I did look for more comforting stories like people who came back and visited their family. You know, you hear stories like that. And 
even as an adult, I've lost, you know, people. And I had an old neighbor. He was in his 80s and we were really close to him. When his wife passed away, we had him over for dinner all the time. And when he passed away, a na- the night before he passed away, a neighbor up the street had a dream about, his name was Bob, up on the roof throwing pennies. It was a really strange dream. The next morning, his mom woke up and got an email titled, Angels Throwing Pennies from Heaven. So we were like, oh, okay, let's look for pennies, you yeah. know, for Bob. And so the day after, the, the evening after his funeral, I was in a parking lot and I saw a man walking toward me and he looked just like Bob. And so for a moment, I just stopped and thought, you know, I'm going to smile at this man. It'll be symbolic, like, like maybe seeing Bob one more time. Two feet in front of me, he stopped, bent down to the ground, picked up a penny yeah. and just held it. It was, I just had the chills, like, is this really happening and so after that, I would find pennies. And so I don't know, is that a coincidence? But you know, it's like, it's like that Einstein quote, you know, you have two, what, what is that? Two ways to live life. Is it nothing's a miracle or is if everything's a miracle? So I go for the second. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's, I feel like that's such a better way to live. And, and I will say like, I am not a very religious person, but I'm a very spiritual person. And I am prone to believe stuff like that. Like I, this, the same best friend that I was referencing growing up, his name is Kurt. And him and his family, I'm the youngest of four. There are two grandkids. I am too. <laughs> yeah, so I'm the youngest of four. And also he's the youngest of four. And they have oh. two girls, two boys. And our family, like, no one's going to see my hand gestures here, but like, it's really aligned. Like he and I were born 25 days apart. The next two brothers were born super like close by a couple of years. Like, so our families are very like intertwined so much to the fact that they actually lived and his mom still lives in the house that my grandpa built. And so my mom grew up in this house and her grandmother or her mother, my grandmother, I I believe like passed away in that house. And like my friend, Kurt said like, when he's like, yeah, I saw this older woman rocking in a chair. Like my mom, like he told, when we were kids, like told my mom. And my mom was like, that was definitely my mom. And like, I remember when his father had passed away, like I thought I was seeing him everywhere, but I'm pretty sure that was just like my young mind trying to come to terms with this person no longer being there. But my friend just randomly seeing an older woman that he had no idea who it was, but it being this place where this woman spent all this time, like, I don't know, I definitely believe in that stuff. And I guess I'm like you, I like to believe, like to see the beauty in things as opposed to being like, nothing is special. Do you find yourself still having those occurrences here and there? Yes. So another friend passed away, a really good friend of ours. And the night after he passed away, when his wife called us to let us know, our smoke alarm went off. And, you know, it just seemed kind of, you know, you hear about spirits in electricity or energy. And then her birthday landed on the first Father's Day after his passing. And again, in the middle of the night, the smoke alarm went off that night. So it would go off on really interesting days that were significant to her. So again, I don't know, is it him? But I like to believe it is, you know? And recently it went off three times and I texted my friend, hey, is, is your husband, is Russ trying to tell you something? She said, oh my gosh, we need to talk. And she said she had just had a dream about him a few days ago, mm-hmm. a vivid dream, and she hadn't had one in forever. And then the smoke alarm went off three times to wake her. So how do you explain that? I mean, I just, yeah, it's so comforting. It's so comforting to think that they're coming back you know? Well, and I love that you you, you use the word comforting because again, like I was, I was referencing like growing up, I, I've talked about this show, like I love the Goosebumps books. Like I said, I, I love like the, are you afraid of the dark and stuff like that? And and I still love, re, I still read 
mass amounts of horror. I don't watch horror movies, but like, but I do think, I think the reason I'm drawn to all these stories about ghosts and things is because I ha- I spent so long as a kid being so terrified of death and being like, what happens after? Because obviously, right? Yes. It's like, what go- what happens after? So I do think it, like you said, I, I like that you're talking about how it's comforting to think about these things. It's not like if you were to see like a specter, you know, insert word you want to hear for ghosts, like a lot of people have a tendency to be like, oh my God, that's terrifying. But I love that you say it's it's comforting to see like these people because they're not going to come back to like cause you arm. They're coming back to bring you these warm feelings. Yeah. 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 So how, you know, you mentioned, you know, having these like kind of one-off experiences here and there with relative frequently, like with your, your friends and family and things like, how would you say that it kind of, you know, affects your life, like the way that you, you do your work or the way that you do your writing and things like that? Well, I'm always drawn to adding them in stories just because I think writing fiction, you know, because I don't know for sure, is this really a ghost? Is this really happening? Mm-hmm. Fiction, I can make it for sure. You know, I can I can make it real. And again, maybe it's just to comfort me, but I just like the idea of combining the two worlds, just having, you know, the supernatural in some way inserted in most of my fiction, just because it 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 feels good to make it true. You know, whether it is or not in real life, it just feels good to make it true. Yeah, especially having like Magdalena, which we're going to talk about in just a moment, like where, yes, like you said, like you can make it true, but it's also like you weave it into a real life story where it's not like, as a joke, I, I used to the word Scooby-Doo before I started recording. <laughs> it's not like a Scooby-Doo story where it's like, exactly, right. you know, like a theater of the absurd type of a thing. So, you know, for you, like, how do you sort of walk that line of saying, okay, I want to put a supernatural aspect into my story, but I want to keep it grounded? Like what for you does that entail as a writer? Well, I think keeping it somewhat subtle so it's not so overwhelming, something that the reader can digest. So keeping the story as realistic as possible and just adding it throughout and having, I love writing in first person. So you really get, you know, Dottie in this in this novel, you really get her strange voice and you understand that her perception of it is is kind of eerie and and haunting. And then while I'm not writing, really kind of, you know, pay attention to things. I always like feel like I get signs about the book. In fact, early, early on while writing this book, in the middle of the night, a radio came on downstairs or, you know, TV or the radio and a song came on. It was really eerie and strange. And I didn't recognize it, but I listened. I could recognize Chris Martin's voice. Mm-hmm. So the next day I look up, you know, Coldplay songs. And the song is called Death and All His Friends. Oh my God. So I'm just like, oh gosh, Death and All His Friends visited me last night. And so, you know, things like that while I'm writing just kind of get me in the mode. And so I just sort of, I just stay open to experiences, open to to believing that, you know, signs are coming to me. And then it kind of plays into the writing and it and it 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 keeps the magic alive as a writer. And so that's what kind of keeps the story a little bit magical. Do you find yourself like to think how I can phrase this? Like I find myself when I'm wandering around either a new city or like a a thing that has existed for a long time. Well it's like an older forest that I know that the trees have, are very, very old or again like a cathedral or something. I find myself thinking about like the ghosts that could be in there or the stories that come like do you kind of find yourself doing the same thing like looking when you're out in nature out in the world for 
these signs that things are maybe a little bit more than they seem? Oh, yeah. I mean, there is such a spirit to trees. I have this yard that just has beautiful trees in it. And I go there for comfort. I feel like, I feel kind of like there are beings surrounding me. Sometimes just going out there, you know, grounds me. But there's something about it. I, I told my husband, it's almost like, it's almost like a face. You know, when you fall in love with a person and you fall in love with their face, the way my yard, you know, the the trees, the way they're all put together, it becomes like a face that I fall in love with. You know, if I'm gone for a while and I come back, oh, there she is, you know. It, so yeah, there's a spirit to to everything. I I love that you said that specifically about trees. I I wrote a short story like, like several years ago about this like old ancient tree, and like I'm I'm the same way. I love the idea of the fact that like there are trees in the United States that are older than the United States, like things like that. Like they, you know, it's almost like they clearly must have if they have a spirit to them or whatever it is. Like they have seen so much, like they. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. Just to touch one. Sometimes I'll pass one just to touch one to know like just the patience of, of you know, how long it took to get to that point and exactly what they've seen. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. When you just said the patience, I, oh my God, we are very similar people. When I'm going <laughs> to like walks with my dog, I will see where, and again, I'm using hand gestures. People want to yeah. <laughs> like where you see a tree that splits into like two and oh. or three. Yes. I'm always blown away by, I'm thinking about it where I'm like, at some point, that was a sapling, and that happened. And now this tree is 40 feet tall, and that same yes. split is right there. Like, I don't know. I, I don't even know, like, how to wrap my head around what, what I'm thinking when I see that. But that stuff always blows my mind. Like, what caused this tree to turn its branch in a certain way or whatever it is? I think about that all the time. Yes, I have one of those in my yard where it's, too, it's just so beautiful. And, I, and I'm convinced my friend and I, talk about like when our, you know, when trees come together, they want to touch each other like they're friends, you know, or mm -hmm. like we'll trim them away because they're sort of touching each other and they're, yeah. <laughs> they're to contact, you know? <laughs> oh, I love that so much. So, uh, so getting back to kind of like the ghost stories and things before I get sidetracked into the conversation <laughs> about trees and everyone's like, wow, they really went hard on the, from the foliage. Um, so can you give my listeners, an introduction to Magdalene. We've been kind of talking around it a little bit, but can you kind of give them an introduction to the plot and the story and where it came from? Yeah, so it's a story about a woman named Dottie who lives in a small town. It's kind of a, you know, a gossipy, you know, superstitious small town. And she's the outcast. And she had had four miscarriages. So she's alone and her husband had an accident. He lives in a rest home. He's unresponsive. And one day, 15-year-old Magdalena next door comes to her door. So Magdalena is the town sensitive. She talks to ghosts, and she offers to conjure a ghost for Dottie. And she really does. But Dottie is less intrigued with her supernatural ability than with having a girl in her home because she'd always longed for children. So, Mag so Dottie begins to secretly pretend that Magdalena is her daughter. Mm -hmm. And it just goes kind of, you know, strange. So there's ghost activity and there's this woman longing for a daughter. And when Magdalena goes missing, the whole town is believing that Dottie did something. And so that's kind of where the story is. She's writing a letter to prove her innocence. But what's interesting about that is I started the novel the year both of my kids went off to college. Right. And, you know, I thought I was writing a ghost story. I was, I was writing a ghost story. And yet Dottie's longing over a daughter kept kind of taking over the story. And only after finishing the first draft did I 
did I realize that this story was my way of mourning the empty nest. So even though it's a ghost story, there's a lot of tenderness and longing, you know, with motherhood in there. Yeah. And I think part of, I think one of the reasons the story stuck so much with me is I, I can still remember I'm, I'm 37. I can, and I, my mom listens to these, so I know she will know what I'm talking about. Like, I still remember the last day, instead of being the youngest of four, I was the last one to leave the nest. And I remember the last night before I was going to go off to college, she and I just sat on our porch and we talked for a really long time because we were really, really close and we still are. And it was just like, we were talking about how it was never going to be the same. Like there, she was basically, this is the last night you're, you know, you're going to live here, live here. Like, yeah, I would come back for summers and everything, but it was just like, it was this huge thing. And like, don't get me wrong. I love, I always tell people like I've been like 75 at heart since I was like 18. So I love, like, I don't have any problem with getting older in my own life. But the things that I do is that I'm nostalgic for is like all of these moments that I had with my family that like a afternoon birthday party for a niece or nephew can't like replace, you know, like a week together and things like that. So right. I, I, for me, that's what drew me to the story is like I, that longing, obviously not of like a mother because I am not a mother, but like that, I do love that. So like for you, what has that experience been like now that you've had you know, a, a little while to process this, like your kids growing up and, and everything like that. How did, how has that felt and how did you kind of keep implementing that in the story? You know, it, it was great. It ended up being really great. My husband and I, you know, we had so much time because both our kids played a bunch of sports. We were just, you know, constantly, you know, volleyball, you know, surf team, this, that. Um, and so there was a lot of time for us and we really enjoyed it. We got to reconnect again and remember who we were before the kids. So that was really great. And then they'd come home from college and the visit, it would be so great to see them. But each time they left again, there was that, that little that feeling of loss again. You know, even my daughter, she lives in New York. And when she comes to visit, oh, it's just so fun. She stays with us. And we are just, you know, together constantly every day. And it's just so much fun. But then when she leaves, I usually cry on the way home, you know, from the airport. It's just, it's hard to lose them again. But they're doing so well in life. And so it's, it's exciting to watch them as adults. And I've really, you know, gotten into my life and gotten more into writing and, and finding my thing. So did you find yourself putting those kind of mixed emotions into the story? I think I think I really stayed with the longing mm-hmm. most of the story until, you know, the very end. There's, you know, a little bit of clarity there. And I think that very end, that little what is it like two page ending kind of gives a feel of where, yeah, where I am. I mean, I am nothing like Dottie, clearly. Yeah. And yet there is so much that we share. I mean, she's, we really share a lot. And so I, you know, the fact that, you know, her writing, my writing, I mean, so there, there is a lot in there at the end, you know, parallels what's happening to me. (laughs) Yeah. So I've had a lot of writers tell me when they when they finish a book, like I've I've heard so many mixed reactions where some people say it is tough to like give this story over to readers. And I've had other people say, like, yeah, once I finish this story, it is theirs. It's it's no longer my story. It's now the reader's story. But with this being at least one of the emotions that you were feeling when you're writing it, like how does it how did it feel to kind of finish it. And now, you know, at the time we're recording it, it comes out in, in a little over a month. Like, yeah. how did it feel to have this be completed? It feels really good. I love having, you know, readers read it. I love hearing what they take from it. 
but it still stays with me. Like I still feel Dottie and Magdalena. Like if I reread something, I'm there. I'm back to that moment when, when we lived together, you know, but yeah, it's exciting to have, you know, I've had some early readers, but I'm excited to have when it's out and to have lots of readers, hopefully, you know, it, it'll be great to hear. And, and it's funny to hear takes that I didn't necessarily intend. You know how that is with writing. And yeah. that's kind of fun to hear what readers take from it, you know? Yeah, well, you're right. Because it's like you sit so long with a story that's just yours or like just yours and an editor's or like, yeah. but even before you like, you go and like get a publishing house or a literary agent, even before you do that, you've sat with a story for so long and you see it through your own perspective. And like, yes, it's the writer's perspective, but you see it a certain way. Yeah, I, that is really interesting. And I think that is why I've had authors say like, once it's out in the world, it's other people's stories to kind of talk about. Yeah. Um, but that is really interesting to to think about like your perspective of the story that you wrote versus what other people are going to think about it or what the story yeah. means to them. Yeah. Mark Haskell Smith was one of the first blurbs I got. And he said, what is it? Beautifully written and satisfyingly creepy. And it was so cool to hear creepy because I thought I knew that the tenderness would come through because I had so much heart putting in, you know, what I put into it. And yet to hear it was creepy, I was like, oh, good. Those those eerie elements came through because I wasn't sure they were going to come through. So it was like, it was a cool term to hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also I, I know from a book publishing and book marketing standpoint, like, Agents and publishing houses want you to be able to like easily define what your book is because then they can take it out into the world and say like, oh, for readers of X and Y. Right. But I personally, for a book like yours and like the stories that I write where there's like the emotions are complicated. Like you said, it's it can be like sentimental and endearing and creepy like <laughs> and poignant. And like, I feel like that to me is the best type of story that makes you feel multiple emotions that make sense. Like life, you know, we're all, with their, life is beautiful and creepy and everything, you know, it has a little bit of everything. So yeah. I do. So one last question about like ghost stories. Do you find yourself like nowadays drawn to seeking out ghost stories as, as an adult or have you kind of gotten away from them from when you were a kid? I'm drawn to hearing ghost stories. I don't read enough. I, I just started reading Shirley Jackson after my first draft, like after I had written my first draft. And I'm like, oh, goodness, I need to read more of her. So, you know, things like that. But but yeah, I, I haven't found a ton of ghost stories I love to read. And so maybe that's why I keep wanting to write them because my next novel is also a ghost story, you know, that turned into so much more. But it's just so fun to stay immersed in one that I have control over, you know? Yeah. No, that that makes, I mean, that, make, that makes total sense. And Shirley Jackson is like, I actually, somewhere behind me, I have like a, like the complete works of Shirley Jackson. Oh, really? It was just like, so what's some local bookstore? Like I have had several of her books, but some local bookstore had like the complete works on one thing. And I was like, well, I most certainly have to purchase that. Right. right. I just picked up, I was at the bookstore uh, this weekend, picked up, is it A Visit? It's that little, that short story, that little, I think it's a Christmas ghost story. Yeah. It was really good. I just read it in one sitting. It was really fun. Yeah. She's, she has she has incredible ghost stories. And then she also has, she has a couple of like memoirs that she wrote. I don't know if you're familiar with these. No, I haven't. And they them. are hilarious, which is what's oh, so really? funny. Yeah. They're, they're all about her like domestic life, like with her family and 
I think it's a uh, Life Among Savages is one of them. And then there's a second one. Oh. And like, it's so funny. My my friend Mallory O'Meara, the first, she's, she was on the podcast recently. Yeah. And um, she and I talked about it, like we've talked about it a bunch of times now, but she was the one who told me, she's like, by the way, do you know Shirley Jackson has memoirs and they're hilarious. And there's something so funny about reading books by this like queen of ghost stories. <laughs> and there's just like, it's just her being like, yeah, and I had to take my kid to the to school and he wouldn't get up and he wouldn't eat breakfast. And like he was, oh, okay, I have to read those. <laughs> Last question for you. I always end the the show by having the author who's come on give a recommendation of some kind. It could be a book. It could be a recipe. You know, it could be going for a walk. But so what is something that you want to recommend to people that you think they should know more about? So to stay in theme, I'll recommend if someone has lost someone, pay attention to signs. Maybe Maybe something could happen. You know, something that you think is, you know, just ordinary. Maybe Maybe signs are coming through. So just kind of paying attention to that, you know? <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that so much. And I love this discussion. This is something that was so up my alley. And Magdalene <laughs> is such a wonderful book. I know people are, are really going to love it. Kenny, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it too. And I love your podcast. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Passions and Prologues is proud to be an evergreen podcast and was created by Adam Sokol. It was produced by Adam Sokol and Sean Rule Hoffman. And if you are interested in this podcast and any other evergreen podcast, you can go to evergreenpodcast.com to discover all the different stories we have to tell. Hi, my name is Sara, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.